Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. In just a few minutes, we're going to bring Brother Ball to the pulpit. He's going to preach. And I wanted to read this verse of scripture to you from Ephesians chapter 4 and talk to you about the gifts, some of the gifts that God has given us. And God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're going to have an evangelist today. Brother Ball is going to preach. Sister Ball is going to minister in song. And we're going to have a great, great service today. We need to get behind the gift that God has given us. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and be seated. Sister Ball's going to minister in song, and then Brother Ball's going to come and minister in the Word. Where is this? Yes, on. Okay. We're so excited to be here. Um, This is our first time here, and we're just so blessed to be able to worship with you. And I'm so thankful for the awesome God that we serve. There's truly no one like him. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And I, I put a couple songs together, and they're songs you probably know. So if you, if you know the tune and the words, just join right in with me. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my 
we lift our hands to the Lord for a minute? Would you just lift your voice? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence and your glory that's here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You truly do inhabit the praises of your people, God. You live in the midst of our praise and our worship. God, we thank you for your presence and your glory that's here already, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. We are, we are excited, we are thrilled, and we are honored to be with you this morning. And I felt God lay something upon my heart. And I know we don't really know each other yet, but I just, if we can trust one another, I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up, but I know that God and His Spirit, it's going to move today. Amen. And if you need a miracle this morning, well, guess what? We serve a miracle worker. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe God is going to heal somebody today. I believe God is going to set somebody free today. If you've never been filled with the Spirit of God, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Jesus is here. Where Jesus is, anything is possible. Anything is possible this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we are just excited and thrilled about what the Lord is doing in Wisconsin. We got in Wisconsin uh, about a month ago, and God has already done some incredible miracles in some of the revivals that we've been doing. And we've, we've seen God's hand, not just during services we've been at, but just God is just pouring out His Spirit like never before in these last days. And this is the greatest time to be alive in the church. I believe that. People talk about the world, the world's getting worse and worse. Well, guess what? As the world gets darker and darker, the church gets lighter and lighter. That's the way God designed it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll preface what I say today by saying this. I determined a long time ago, I don't ever want to be guilty of being found on the fringe of God's revival. I don't want to be close enough to where I can kind of feel it a little bit but still maintain what I want to do I want to just be sold out for the kingdom of God in this last day Jesus is all that matters Jesus is all that matters amen amen if you would remain standing I want to take your attention this morning to the word of the Lord and I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles chapter number one and then I'll also read from Acts chapter number 2. When I felt God talking to me this morning, I was a little bit hesitant to preach this because I, I really feel like it is a message to the church. And I like to address uh, guests and everything during my message. But you know what? You can be a part of the church. We, we want you. We invite you. We want you to be a part of the church. And, and I really feel like God wants to speak to the church body as a whole today. And this isn't going to be a teaching or a lecture. This is going to be an evangelistic message. So will you help me preach this morning? 
Amen. I know you will. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. I want to give your pastor and his family honor. You have a great pastor, don't you? Amen. Thank you, Brother Kylie, for the invitation to be here. We got an opportunity to just spend some time together, and we just had laughs, and we had some serious moments. We just had a great time, and I appreciate him very, very much. They've been so kind. This church has been very kind to us. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Anybody have power in the house? Amen. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Now look at the language here. Notice this. Both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. The the Holy Ghost fell. The Spirit of God fell in Jerusalem, but it, it was not contained in that one city. But it began to spread to Judea and the province of Samaria. And finally, the Bible says it will reach its hands around the entirety of the world. Then in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 39, we see similar language here. The Bible, speaking again of, of the Spirit of God, says, For the promise is unto you. There's the singular again, but it's not just limited to you. It says, And to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What the church has, if you're filled with a baptism of the Holy Ghost, is never, has never been meant to be contained in a box or in a body. But the Spirit of God has always desired to get out and reach out and touch two or three other people or 30 or 40 and eventually its hands around the entirety of the globe. Amen. So I want to talk to you today about the domino effect of a raised standard. The domino effect, and that might not mean a lot right now, but it will throughout the course of this message. The domino effect of a raised standard. Now with everything that you have left, would you just lift your hands and would you pray with everything that you have? God, we need you to speak to us today. Lord, that you would open every heart, that you would open every mind. You've already spoken to me, God. Miracles are gonna happen in this church today. Healing is going to take place among the body today. God, give us the faith to trust you. Give us the faith to not just be a hearer of the word this morning, but Lord, let us be a doer of this word. Help us. Give us faith to release the power that's inside of us to minister to brothers and sisters in Christ when this message is closed. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for what you are going to do in these next few moments. Be glorified, Jesus. Be glorified, Jesus. Now, if you just step out and would you just lift your voice and give him praise and worship for what he's going to do. Father, we trust you today. We lean on you, not our own understanding, but we lean on you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. You may be seated today. The domino effect of a raised standard. Somebody say raised standard. Hallelujah. The definition of domino effect is a, according to Webster, a chain reaction that occurs when a small change causes a similar change and so on in a linear sequence. 
small change that causes another change, which causes another change, and so on in a linear sequence. I can remember, I don't remember a lot from uh, my uh, school days way back in the day. I never was a fan of school uh, all that much, but I, I can remember in elementary school, we had these things. I don't know what you called them, but this was my favorite time in school. We called them assemblies. Is that what you call, do you know what I'm talking about? An assembly is where you, for whatever reason, you got to get out of church, or uh, get out of church, get out of school, and you got to leave that classroom and you went down to the gymnasium and while you were there, there was some kind of presentation or show or it really didn't matter what it was because you were out of the classroom. Somebody know what I'm talking about. So I really wasn't concerned with what it was. I was just happy to be out of the classroom and going down to this assembly. And I remember as a little boy, we walked through those, those double wooden doors that opened up into the gymnasium and the smell of the, the, the gym. You, you can't, I can't get that out of my brain, you know. We walked through those doors and we, I remember my little eyes just mesmerized as I looked all over the gymnasium floor, over that old hardwood, shiny floor, and there was thousands and thousands of dominoes set up all around. And I remember sitting down and there was a guy that was there and his whole purpose of being there was to put on a domino demonstration. And I mean, this guy was out of this world. He had dominoes. They went everywhere, all, all over. They, they, would, they would come around. I mean, they would fall over. They'd hit this thing. It would flip a ball into a cup. The cup, the cup would fall over. The ball would fall out. It would hit another set of dominoes and there they would go off again. I mean, it was crazy. And I remember being so mesmerized that thousands of chain reactions could be set off at one simple touch from this man's fingers. That has been burned in my brain, that's never left my brain, that thousands of chain reactions were happening because one man decided to use his finger and push over one domino and because he did he set off all different kinds of chain reactions known as the domino effect the domino effect can also be seen in earthquakes sometimes earthquakes can happen states away but because of the tremors the aftershock they can be felt hundreds of miles away tsunamis also take place when an underwater earthquake happens somewhere in the middle of the ocean and because of the shock that wave begins to build momentum and as it travels through the ocean heading for for shore it builds up more and more and more and more momentum getting stronger and getting bigger earthquakes dominoes tsunamis all these things have one common factor and that's called the epicenter the epicenter is the point of cause from which all effect is felt. It's the point of cause from which all effect is felt. Now, I didn't come to give a science lesson to you so you can breathe a sigh of relief. But I did come to point out a parallel in the physical to the spiritual. And that is, I, re I remember thinking a, a few weeks ago, if it, if it is possible for there to be a domino effect in the natural world, in the physical sense, and that all these different chain reactions can be caused by one simple action, is it then possible 
Can it be related to the church, specifically the apostolic church, the people that are filled with the power of his spirit? Is it possible that then the church has the potential with the Holy Ghost and the spirit of God inside them that if we choose to release that power that we can then cause thousands of other chain reactions in the spiritual sense? The domino effect. Physical domino effect, spiritual domino effect. In our text in the book of Acts, this is exactly what happened. The epicenter, the point from which all effect is felt, was the city of Jerusalem. This is where the Spirit of God fell. And when the Spirit of God fell in Jerusalem, something mighty happened when a shockwave of the Holy Ghost power began to leave those city walls and begin to reach out and touch Judea and Samaria and eventually would reach its arms around the entirety of the church. Apostolic revival began to grow after 33 AD and it began to pick up momentum. It did not start to die out, but it started to grow bigger and bigger and stronger. And it began to pick up momentum so much so that when the voices of opposition came against this revival, the voices of opposition could not silence it. The political correctness that existed in their day could not redefine what apostolic revival was. The threat of persecution could not crush apostolic revival, Brother Kylie. But as that world began to grow darker and darker and darker, the church grew brighter and brighter and brighter. And so it is, even today, I would challenge you to think of it this way, that we in this church are still riding the waves of that apostolic revival that was started in 33 AD. The presence of God that we feel, the way we worship, the way we praise, the way we thank God, it's all a part of this initial birth of the church in the book of Acts. I travel extensively all over the country, and I get wrapped up in the same conversations almost every weekend, and that is, Brother Ball, aren't you concerned with the state of the world, what's going on, the, uh, the uh, instability of countries and people and finances and economies and all this stuff? And I just say, no, I'm not concerned with that. Aren't you fearful about what, what's going to happen next? No, I'm not fearful about what's going to happen next. Because the Bible says I have a hope that is sure and steadfast. And that is an anchor for my soul. I don't waver based upon what this world does because my hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. And as long as my hope is anchored in Christ, I know everything's going to be okay. And I say all that to say this, that as the church was not affected in the book of Acts, so the church will not be affected in this last day. And as the voices of political correctness try to redefine what the apostolic church is, it will never happen. If persecution comes, guess what? The church will go stronger and stronger and stronger and the Spirit of God will continue to go out and touch lives and change people's hearts. I'm gonna step out on a limb for a second, okay? Two things people say you're never supposed to talk about is religion and politics. But I've come to realize something. 
eight years in the Marine Corps has given me the right to say what I'm about to say. This world's problems will never be solved by a politician or political reform. Ever. The only hope that this world has is Jesus Christ. You can agree with that, you can disagree, you can do whatever you want with that, but I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not saying don't vote, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying our hope does not lie in political reform or a politician. The only hope that this world has is for the church of the living God to release what they have inside of them and touch and change lives. Jesus Christ is the only hope this world has. Do you believe that? Amen. So what we have will not be stopped. We got the greatest power inside of us, and I'm thankful for that, miracles and signs and wonders. If the church would ever really realize what it is that they have, there's no stopping us. We could turn our world upside down. There was a revival not uh, probably even three years ago. Some of you may have heard this or seen it travel across the internet, but there was a revival, and after the service was over, this was in Tennessee somewhere, after the service was over, uh, the church was dismissed and they went out to guess a restaurant. I mean, because that's what we do after church. We typically go get some food, amen? Yeah. And so, the, the, <laughs> and you know what else I noticed about the church, which is kind of funny, Brother Kylie? We don't, when we go out to eat, a lot of times we, we roll in deep groups, you know what I'm saying? Like, we'll, we'll come in after a conference, after a church service, and we'll just take a restaurant over. Uh, how many, sir? Uh, uh, 45. Well, it's going to take a few minutes to put the tables together. That's how we roll. And this is exactly what happened at this revival. Church let out in a group of about 30 people went to Cracker Barrel. Mmm. I love me some Cracker Barrel. And while they were there, I got the story firsthand from a, from a girl that was there, and she told me a couple years ago. She said, Brother Ball, you know what happened in that restaurant? I said, what happened? She said, well, you know, when the food began to come out, and, and what do we do before we eat our food? You know, we kind of got this, we, we, we pray for it. Yeah, you, you nailed it, A+. Plus. And, the, and the people began to pray, and she said, I, I, maybe we were just so full of the Holy Ghost after this revival service that somebody couldn't contain it. All of a sudden, they just started let out and started speaking in tongues in Cracker Barrel. That sounds a little bit crazy to me, you know what I'm saying? And it, uh, wow, I, I couldn't believe that. She said, yeah, but she said it didn't end there. So people are looking around, what in the world is wrong with those people? She said, but all of a sudden, it, it, it began to catch to the next person, and the next person started speaking in tongues. And then we had two or three others, and then we had a whole table that erupted in prayer and intercession and speaking in tongues. I said, well, what happened next? She said, what happened next is before we knew it, I opened my eyes, and I looked over, and there was a waitress that was standing at our table and she had tears coming down her face. 
She said a lot of the restaurant was just kind of, they were video, you know, they had their phones out taking video, seeing what's going on. But she said this waitress was standing there. She had tears streaming down her face. She'd never seen anything like that before. And somebody sensitive to the Holy Ghost got up in that ta- from that table and began to lay hands on her and pray with her. And you can guess what happened next. And she began to repent of her lifestyle and of her sins. And she wanted more of God. Well, God filled her with a baptism of the Holy Ghost in the middle of Cracker Barrel. Right? That's cool. So then she's praying and she's interceding. She's snotting. She's got tears streaming down her face. And she, you know, well, all of a sudden, one of the other waitresses, because they're starting to get backed up now, because they had a group of 40 some people coming from the church. One of the other waitresses comes storming up to the table to see where this other girl was at. She said, Brother Ball, she got within five feet of the table and she just kind of stopped. And I watched as tears begin to well up in her eyes and begin to fall down her face. And they began to pray with her. And guess what? God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And before this whole thing was said and done and over with, two waitresses and a waiter received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. I get excited about that because the same potential is inside of this very room. And if we could ever let out what we have, we could turn our cities upside down. Buildings and walls could not hold the revival that we could release. A lot of times we're waiting on God to do revival. Well, guess what? God is waiting on us to move. We wait wait for God to move, but God's waiting for us to move. I'm, I'm willing this morning to get a little bit outside of myself. Are you, the, are you willing as well? Do you feel that way? I, I'm willing to just get beyond what's normal. I don't want normal Christianity. I don't want professional Pentecostalism. I want apostolic revival. That's what I want. That's what I want. The domino effect, you can't stop that thing when it's released. You can't stop the Holy Ghost from flowing when it's released. But there is one thing that can stop a domino effect. There is one thing. There is one thing. In the scientific world, it's called cascading failure. Cascading failure is a system of interconnected parts in which the failure of a part can trigger the failure of successive parts. Such a failure may happen in types of systems including power transmissions, computer networking, finance, and bridges. I think of it, I kind of have a mechanical mind, so I think of it in terms of transmissions. Transmissions have many different parts, moving parts, and they all operate for the same purpose, for the most part. But if one of those parts breaks down and fails, the other parts have to pick up the slack that the one part was doing. And it eventually causes another one to burn out and another one to burn out and another one to burn out until finally you have a total system shut down. Cascading failure. The church also is interconnected. We are the body of Christ. I was saying in the the devotion the other day with the men that how much we need each other We can't be that army that kills its own wounded. I 
I know of men that have pulled other men off a battlefield when they themselves had no chance at survival, but there was something inside of them that says, that's my brother, and I have to get them off that battlefield. That's the military. And yet, I'm perplexed and blown away at the lack of mercy I see sometimes in the church. We need each other. We might not always like each other, but we need each other to get to heaven. And when one of us is down or one of us is wounded or one of us is hurt, we don't need to shoot each other or, or, or gossip or backbite about it. We ought to be lifting each other up. We ought to be pulling each other off a battlefield because we need each other. Cascading failure, cascading failure, cascading failure. Again, not a science lesson, but there is a biblical, spiritual cascading failure I want to talk about. Doesn't just happen with transmissions and finances and bridges. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world. Do you know that there is a spiritual force that is trying to destroy your soul? Every time you decide to do something good for God, it's gonna push against you. Cascading failure. Let me give you a biblical example quick of cascading failure and then we'll move on because I don't want you to think I'm just spouting stuff off. You ain't got to worry about the scripture. I'll just tell the story. In 2 Samuel, there is a story about a man by the name of Uzzah. Has anybody heard of that, that man before? It's kind of a unique story, but Uzzah, this story has been, it's messed with my mind for, for a long time until I realized what was really happening here. But Uzzah was the one, if you remember, that when the Israelites were traveling with the Ark of the Covenant, when the, when the oxen tipped it and the, the, the ark began to fall, Uzzah was the one that reached out with his hand to, to steady it so it wouldn't fall on the ground. And when his hand touched it, the Bible says God killed him. I, did, I just I said, God, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, he had good motives. He didn't want the ark of the covenant to fall over on the ground. Poor guy, to reached out to touch it and to steady it. And you killed him for it. He said, well, look at a couple chapters before that. So I begin to read before that. Rewind the story. The Israelites were fighting the Philistines. They were at war. The Philistines conquered the Israelites. And they took, I guess you could call it a, a war trophy. They took the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence and God's glory. And they took it from the Israelites and took it back to Philistine. And the Bible says that they put it in the temple of their false god. It's just drawing a conclusion or a, a, a memory here of what's going on in the story. And, and they, they, they put it there and the next day they're, the priests come out to minister to Dagon who was that false god. And when they came into their, their temple, Dagon had fallen over next to the Ark of the Covenant so being good saints, you know, they picked him up and kind of dusted him off, cleaned him up and went out about their worship. Come back the next day and Dagon had fallen over again, had his arm broken off or something, had some kind of part broken off him. And so being good saints, they kind of patched him up, put him back together, dusted out their God. That wasn't the only thing that happened. 
After they brought the Ark of the Covenant into Philistine, the, the Bible says that disease and famine and plagues started sweeping through their city. And so the Philistines got smart and they said, you know, this isn't good. We, we got to get rid, this was kind of a cool idea initially, but guess what? We got to get rid of this thing. If this really does represent God's presence and God's glory, well, then we need to get rid of it because it's messing us up. And so they make arrangements to meet up with Israel to give it back to them. Now, this is where you need to pay attention. The Bible says that the Philistines put it upon a cart with oxen and begin to drive it back to the Israelites. Biblically, there was only one way to transport the Ark of the Covenant, and that was on the shoulders of men. But the Philistines... We're going to put it on a cart and drive it with oxen. So they do. They drive it back, and then the Israelites meet up with them. They're across the battlefield, and they, they meet up with them. And, I, and it, it's not specific in Scripture what's said. But there was something in the hearts of the Israelites, God's people, that said, well, they're, they're carting the Ark of the Covenant with oxen and a cart. That looks a lot easier Then carrying that, 88 pounds was the weight each individual would have on the shoulder. I'm all for working smarter and not harder, you know what I'm saying? And the Israelites, God's people, make this statement in Scripture, and you can read it for yourself. They say this, let's put it upon a new cart. In other words, hey, nothing, I know the Bible, I know the word of God says to do it this way, but nothing's happening to the Philistines. So maybe we'll get, we'll, we'll be a little extra spiritual, we'll take it a step further and we'll put it on a new cart. Remember the Ark of the Cover represented God's presence and God's glory. And they put it on a new cart and began to cart it back to Israel and that's when the oxen shook it, which would have never happened had they obeyed the word of God. And that's when Uzzah touched it. God killed him to prove a point. This is what I want to point out from all of that cascading failure. Here it is. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence and God's glory. Then that means that God's people, the Israelites at the time, got their new way of handling God's presence and God's glory from the Philistines. If, let me take it a step further. They got their new way to handle God's presence and God's glory from the enemy of their day. Let me take it a little step further. Let's just kind of sip it on down. They got their newfound way to handle God's presence and God's glory from the world of their day. And I look at this state of the church and I see that there is a very real spirit and attitude that's trying to creep its way into the church. That's trying to tell it that you don't need this and you don't need that and you can do without this and you can do it this way instead. But can I just make a, just a blanket statement today? 
that we just need to keep doing what the Bible tells us to do. Is that blanket enough? We don't need to let another church or the world redefine who we are or political correctness to redefine who we are. We just need to keep being the people of God, the people that God has called us to be. The Bible says you would know the truth and it's the truth that'll set men free. Nothing outside of this book will set anybody free. People view the church, Brother Kylie, sometimes like they do, uh, I think it's Burger King. So Burger King says, have it your way. You come through Burger King and you can get a, a Whopper with no tomato and extra onions and extra pickles and no mustard. They'll make it any way you want to make it. Have it your way. Now, as goofy as that is, many people come in the church and they want to have it their way. They look at the word of God and they say, well, I like this and I don't like that. I want this, but I don't want any of that. I want double of that, but I don't want any of that. It doesn't work that way. It's never been about us. It's not about our way. It's about his way because his way is higher than our way. In the book of Proverbs, it says, there's a way which seemeth right unto men, but in the end, it leads to death and destruction. I just want his way. I just want his will. I just want his purpose for my life. Do you feel that way today? Hallelujah. So we, we don't need to worry about any influence coming from outside. We just need to keep doing what we're doing. Amen. Keep worshiping the way we know to worship. Praise in the way we know to pray. Pray the way we know to pray. Read the Bible the way we, we just need to allow that thing to keep on keeping on. The domino effect of a raised standard. Now I'm gonna preach for a little bit. Say, you weren't preaching? No, I wasn't preaching yet. I'm gonna preach for a little bit. Because there's something inside of us that is wanting to get out. Sometimes the miracles and things that happen aren't just for the right now. Sometimes they're for other people. For instance, a few weeks ago, we were in a revival service. There was a lady that was there, a girl, teenage girl, and I'm going to try to move quickly here uh, for sake of time. She had, because of Lyme's disease, had paralysis in her hands. Now, I remember her because I preached a revival there a year, two years ago, and um, while we were there, we were out to eat at the restaurant, and this teenage girl was there, and I, you know, I was just shaking people's hands and being polite. How are you? How are you? How are you? And, and I got to her and I said, hey, how are you? And, and she kind of moved away and said, I'm, I don't shake hands. She was embarrassed. She was ashamed of what her hand was. And I felt kind of dumb. You know, I didn't know what to do. So I just, you know, played it off elbow bump or something. I don't know. Try to play it off, you know. And then this past, this year, couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, when we were there at their church preaching, a person from that church came up to me and said, you know, Brother Ball, I feel like God wants to heal so-and-so. And I believe God gave me a word, and that word is if she would lift her hands. You see, because she would never lift her hands up because she was ashamed to lift her hands because of what it looked like. This hand was fine. This hand wasn't. She would lift her hands. God would heal her. I said, I, I can agree with that. I believe that. And so I gave an altar call and I was moving around the, the church and I was praying for people on the altar. 
I looked across the church, and lo and behold, this is what I seen. Her father, her father had his hands on her hands, and he had them lifted, and, and they were praying face to face. Now her hand was open, but you see, it would close back up if nothing was holding it open. So I didn't really think much of it. He's praying for her, and it was kind of, it was beautiful, the, the, the prayer that was happening. And I turned and I looked again, and this is what I seen. The father took his hands off of his daughter's hands. And her hand never changed, Brother Kylie. And she's praying, she's got her eyes closed, and she's praying, praying, and praying. And then finally, come, somebody comes by and taps her on the shoulder. Have you seen your hand? And she looked up, and when she looked up, she didn't even realize what had happened. And tears began to come down her face. And that face that she made was priceless when she seen that God had just healed her hand. But this is why I'm saying it's not just always for the person necessarily or the right now. Her family, her sister, was partially in a backslidden state, Brother Kylie. She, she came for the revival service, but she wasn't interested in church. She didn't like what she's seen over the years or whatever. But when she seen her sister's hand, she was there, and she seen it straighten, and she seen that miracle. You know what it did for her? It changed her life forever. And she is so in now. And you'll never convince her other, and the mother and the father and the rest of the family that seen that miracle that was there that night. You never know the effect that happens because of your miracle or because of what you release to happen. The domino effect of a race standard. Now, I'm getting close to coming to an end. Have you ever been in a conference? Have you ever went to a conference or a big church service where the worship is just like way up here? I mean, it's, it's crazy, it's good worship. And you start to do things that you probably wouldn't normally do or worship the way you normally wouldn't worship because other people are doing it. Am I the only one or, okay. God, don't leave me hanging here. Probably about six years ago, there was a family in a church that I know their son had just committed suicide. And I was there uh, in, in service the very next Sunday that this lady's son had committed suicide. And you could feel the heaviness on that church that Sunday after. Just people couldn't really worship. It was just very dead, very, very dead. And I remember thinking, because I was leading worship, I remember thinking, like, this is, this is horrible. And all of a sudden, about the third song, the mother of the son that had just committed suicide got out of her, I know this sounds crazy, okay, but just, she got out of her chair, and she began to dance and praise God. And something broke inside of me, because I thought, what in the world is wrong with me? That if from a valley, 
not a mountaintop, but a valley of darkness, that she can praise and worship God two or three days after her son committed suicide, that she can give God glory and give God worship and praise. I thought, Brandon, what is your problem? And and, and after she did that, the place just blew up. It blew up in praise and worship. Why? Because people seen, number one, what she was going through, but two, how it was not gonna affect her worship. See, oftentimes our life becomes a reflection of our circumstance. Does that make sense? I'm going to minister to you for a second now. In good times, it's very easy for us to give great praise and great worship because everything's going great. But in bad times, you know, when that happens, Brother Kylie, I don't really feel like it, you know, and I just kind of sit down and bless God, I'm not going to worship God. Or medium times, I give medium praise, good times, good praise, bad times, bad praise, and it's a reflection of where I'm at. God showed me something, and that is this, that our worship, our praise, is never a reflection of our circumstance. Our worship and our praise is a reflection of who he is. That meant God doesn't have good days and bad days and average days. God is just always up here, and so he's worthy of the very highest and the very best praise that we could ever give him. Whether we're on a mountaintop or whether we're in a valley, we ought to be able to praise God like never before. Why don't we do it for just a moment? Can we do it one? Would you lift your voice and lift your hands to the Lord? And would you just let your voice out to Jesus for a moment? I'm going to tell you why. Because God told me some of you are in a valley right now. Some of you have crossed over from mountaintop into a valley. And the Lord is asking you, are you going to let your praise and your worship be a reflection of the valley that you're in? Or are you going to let it be a reflection of who I am? Oh, Jesus. The domino effect. When that woman began to dance, there was something that began to spread and touch other people, and other people were inspired to worship. When we go to conferences, other people's worship and praise begins to affect us. There's a scripture that talks about that we need to stir up the gift of God that's inside of us. Anybody heard that scripture? Sometime the worship leader or the pastor will get to the pulpit and says, okay, it's time to stir up the gift of God that's inside of us. We know what that means, right? That means we need to start worshiping, start praising, blow on, that, on those coals a little bit, get that fire going, get that churned up. Why? Let me show you something here. Can you bring up that text? 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read this twice. But let me tell you why we do what we do. 2 Timothy. Paul's writing here to the younger minister. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says this. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother, and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it's in thee also. Look at verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that's inside of you. Okay, what does that mean? Let's back up to verse number five. Now allow me a little bit of liberty. Paul's writing here to the younger man, 
And here's what he says. When I look at you, Timothy, and I see the great faith that you have, the way you worship God, the way you praise God, the way you preach the word, the great faith that you possess, when I look at you, I want you to know something. That you alone are not responsible for what you have. But what you have goes all the way back to your grandmother Lois. Mm. Whoa. When I call the remembrance, the faith that's in you, it dwelt first in your grandmother. all the way back and because your grandmother was a worshiper and because your grandmother was a prayer warrior and because your grandmother was so full of the holy ghost that her cup ran over that's how full she was brother kylie and because it ran over it began to saturate your mother eunice oh and because your mother was a prayer warrior and a faster and she was so full of the Holy Ghost that her cup ran over and I'm persuaded that it's in thee also, Timothy. It didn't start with you. It went all the way back to your grandma and because your grandma lived it, it saturated your mother and because your mother lived it, it's on you also. Wherefore, verse number six, I put you in remembrance that you need to stir up the gift of God that's inside of you. Hmm. Let me tell it to you this way. Your praise and your worship goes far further than just giving God praise and glory. It's not just designed for that. Sometimes what you do begins to leak over and reach across an aisle and touch a brother or sister. That's the reason why we need to constantly, when we come to church, we ought to not come with just a, a mentality that we're just feeling a date in our calendar. But every time we come through those doors, it ought to be, who is God going to heal today? Who is God going to deliver today? Who's he going to fill with the Holy Ghost today? I've come to give God the very best that I have to give. Because you don't know who just walked through the door and your praise and your worship begins to leak across the aisle and it touches them and encourages them and strengthens them. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you ought to always stir up the gift of God that's inside of you every chance you get, every opportunity you get, because there is a domino effect that begins to happen. There's a domino effect when you begin to raise the standard of your worship and your praise. Sometimes we only hold it here, but what would happen if we begin to lift that standard up to here and we begin to worship and praise God like never before? What would happen in this kind of service if we begin to lift up Jesus Christ with the very best that we could give? What is possible? I wonder if just for a few moments we couldn't do that. Would you, I know it's getting late, I'm almost done, but would you begin to stir up the gift that's inside of you for a moment? I don't want, to, I don't want you to feel like you have to sit, but if you, if you need to get up, you can get up to stir up that gift. 
I don't want you to feel like you have to be quiet because if you want to get loud to stir up that gift, then you need to get loud. I don't want you to feel obligated to dance, but if you want to lift the standard a little bit, you can go ahead and lift the standard. Come on, somebody. There's a domino effect that's about to happen in this place right now. Because of your worship, because of your praise, there's something that's about to happen right now. Come on, I'm not going to be redefined by political correctness. I'm not going to let this world silence me. Come on, let's put a tail on that one more time. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I believe miracles are falling down right now. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you. I believe God's miracle and his presence is falling on somebody right now. It's okay to sing a hallelujah from a valley. It's okay to worship from a dark place. tell you stories all day long. I could tell you a story of a woman that we met in Florida during a revival that she came in with, with, a, with a walking apparatus and she was needing a miracle and she couldn't worship. She said, Brother Paul, I'm so sorry that I can't praise and worship and stand up. It's just it's so bad. She made it through Friday night and Saturday night and she made it to Sunday night. But Sunday night something happened and I watched her as I took the platform. She sat in the back left corner, Brother Kylie, and she began to stand up and she began to hobble her way out and around the church and I thought well maybe she's just going to get a drink of water or go to the bathroom or whatever and she passed the door and she came all the way down the aisle and she came and as I looked closer I realized her mouth was moving and I said what what in the world is she saying and then I could see it brother Kylie hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus you could see the pain on her face hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus and she made it all the way around the church until she got about front and center and I watched her hands go up and I watched strength come to her legs and she began to dance and jump as God just totally healed her body because she was unwilling to allow her circumstance to dictate her level of worship. Time to raise the standard a little bit. I, I end with this today. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19. You can remain standing as the music comes. 
Bible says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. Some preachers have rendered that. They move the punctuation and then they, they preach. When the enemy shall come in, comma, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall Well, that's not what the Bible says. The scripture says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, because if, if you've lived life for any, any number of years, you know that sometimes the gates of hell swing wide open and you have no idea where some of the attacks come from. But they come right into your life and those arrows seem like they pierce right through your soul. Here's the promise, that when that happens, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. That's military terminology. A standard was used during all the way back in biblical times. It identified the fighting force. They would have standards that identified who they were. All the way up into probably the world wars, through the world wars a little bit. Standards, like this one over here, have great significance. Because there's an identity in this. Right? But standards were not just for identity purposes. Let me illustrate it. During trench warfare, some of the world wars, troops, because of how res regimented the military is, do you know that when combat, if you're in combat, all that regimented organization sometimes goes by the wayside and chaos and confusion take over. They call it the fog of war. But the purpose of the standard was not only to identify the fighting force. The purpose of the standard was that so no matter where you were at on that line, that if you could somehow look across the battlefield, Pastor Kylie, through all the smoke and the gunfire and the bullets zinging by and the screams and the terrors of war, if you could somehow look across, could you imagine? the fear of becoming separated from your troops it not only identified but if they could look across and see a standard that was raised high they could align themselves to that and when it was time to advance they would know okay it's time to advance and when it's time to retreat okay it's time to retreat they align themselves to that standard Upon further evaluation, I found that these men that were called standard bearers never carried a weapon. Their sole purpose was to hold the standard high. And if they were shot and killed and that standard would fall, the person to the left or right without even question would drop their rifle to lift up that standard again. Because they understood that the importance of a raised standard was so more important than even their own life. 
raised standing. That's where the law comes from that, you know, you never let the flag touch the ground, right? Otherwise you had to burn it, disregard it, get rid of it. That's where it all comes from. The Marine Corps would say, never let the colors hit the deck. That's where it all comes from. Get that standard high. Here's the application, and I'm done with this. The Bible says when the Spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift a standard against him. You know how God does it? He does it through his church. He does it through his church. And if I could just be candid with you this morning and be honest, because you know what I see? Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this. You know what I see? In this last day, as the hours are coming, Jesus Christ could come back at any given moment. And here's what I see churches all around, not just apostolic church, all Christianity as a whole is beginning to lower its standard. Because of the thinking that if we lower it a little bit, then it'll, we'll be more receptive and more open to, and we can have greater revival. If you would just not preach it so strong, or if you wouldn't worship so crazy or pray so crazy, you could just pack it down a little bit. But here's the problem with that. It's not a physical war that we're in, but it's a spiritual war. Here's the problem with lowering the standard, that when we do that, you know what happens? The people that are terrified and lost and afraid on the battlefield of life, and they're looking for something that's real, and they're confused, and they hear the screams and the terror and the horror of spiritual warfare, and they're looking for something that's truth and something that's solid and something that's strong. And everybody's got their standard down. God said, as, he, as the world gets worse and worse, when the enemy comes in like a flood, and if you spend any time looking at the news media, you know that hell has come in like a flood in this world. There's no hope in political reform. There's no hope in a politician. I'm not trying to, to offend you today, but I'm trying to tell you, the Bible says that when that happens, that the Spirit of the Lord will lift a standard against the enemy. I've come to tell the church today, let everybody else lower a standard. But if somebody would commit in this place to say, I'm not going to lower it, but I'm going to raise it higher than ever before. I want to raise the standard. I want to raise my level of worship. I want to raise my level of prayer and my time spent in the Word of God. So that the whole world can see that there is light there is truth there is something solid God has so much confidence in every single one of you that he wants you to be that standard bearer don't reflect upon your failure don't reflect upon your past because every day is a new day and Jesus said my mercy's new every morning I want you to raise a standard I want you to lift a standard higher than ever before I wonder if for a few moments minutes if you feel that if that resounds within you 
You say, God, I want, I want that. Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to be a standard bearer. I want to lift it up higher than ever before. I'm not going to worry about my past. I'm not going to worry about what I, the mistakes I've made. I, I want that. I want to live for you like never before so that the whole world can see the domino effect. What would happen? The domino effect of a raised standard. What would happen if 150 people said, you know what? I'm willing to step out of my chair today and I'm ready to say, Lord, I'm ready to live it like never before. I'm ready to preach it like never before. I'm ready to worship like never before. If that's you as the music plays, I wanna invite you to come this morning for a few moments. If you have faith this morning to believe, would you step out from where you're at and say, God, I wanna be your spokesperson. I wanna be your vessel. I wanna be the one that lifts that standard high. I wanna be the city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. I wanna be light in this world of darkness. I won't allow cascading failure to affect me, God. I'm not going to change your word any bit. I'm going to live your word. I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to preach your word. I'm going to believe it like never before. Come on, that's it. Hands lifted as high as you can. Hands lifted as high as you can. Symbolic of your... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.